Hello, I'm Mary Schuster, and this is RamQuest Pandemic Practices Podcast. As you know, the title and settlement industry has experienced significant changes as a result of COVID-19. We're talking with its leaders about how these changes force the quick implementation of practices that, for most title companies, have been nothing more than distant plans. Together, we hope to determine which should be retained, which should be retired, and which need to be refined. I've been really looking forward to today's conversation with industry innovator, Bill Savota. Many of you are familiar with Bill's work helping our industry modernize communications with stakeholders in real estate transactions. In this episode, we'll discuss the importance of understanding communication opportunities that lie within a transaction, how to find time in a very robust real estate economy to reimagine anything, how to reignite the light in your employees' eyes, and blocking out distractions to focus on what really matters. You know, I'm a big fan of automated communications in my personal life and, well, heck, in my professional life, too. When I receive a proactive text or email that I can expect delivery of an item today, or that my bank balance is X, or I'm notified of a sale from a favorite retailer, it not only makes my life easier, but it also shows me that the retailer or my bank cares about me and wants me informed and engaged with them. In title and settlement, much of the work we do every day simply cannot be automated. Many aspects of our work just require a human brain, deep attention to detail, nuance, and reasoning, which is great. I mean, in fact, I think it's why many of us love the work so much. But our industry also faces some unique challenges with demonstrating value to consumers who don't interact with us every day or who don't even understand most of what we do. We also partner with busy co-stakeholders who do understand what we do, but need communication pushed quickly and concisely to them, especially if it requires an action from them. So how do we find an intersection that allows us to present important communication in a way that validates our work, anticipates our customers' needs, and doesn't require an elaborate or time-consuming internal manual process. That's really the backdrop of our conversation today with Bill Svoda of Close Simple. That's a software that helps title and settlement companies communicate with real estate agents, mortgage professionals, and consumers during the home closing process with their automated email, text updates, and the famous pizza tracker for title. Close Simple is also an integrated partner with RamQuest Closing Market. Before starting Close Simple, Bill founded his first online custom apparel business out of his college dorm room. By the time Bill sold that business, he had the privilege of working with everyone from Google, Facebook, and LinkedIn to colleges and nonprofits across the country. Over the past few years, Bill has become a pretty common face on the title speaking circuit as he is also a passionate speaker on the topics of customer engagement, customer experience, marketing, and growth strategies. Please enjoy my pandemic practices conversation with Bill. Many of our listeners are familiar with you and your work, um, but and some might not be, but could you tell us how you were first introduced to and then found your way all the way into this wonderful world of title and settlement? Well, I always like to joke that uh, you don't find title, title finds you. And it's it's kind of like either the Olive Garden or the Mafia, because 
the Olive Garden because when you're here, you're family. Like, you know everybody and it's just, you know, pass the breadsticks, pass the salad. But it's also like the mafia because when you get in, you never leave. And you kind of want to kill the next company over too, you know? So there's always that tension, but it's good. It's good. Um, I got into Title. Title found me um, when Paul, my co-founder, and I had an idea to help real estate agents actually communicate to buyers and sellers during the purchase process. And we came up with this idea and we lined an exclusive deal with the number one Remax franchise in the world. They had about 1,200 realtors. And this is 2013. So I was working on a different business that I owned. Paul was an ad exec at a huge digital ad firm. He was doing stuff in like Times Square, like three, $4 million ad campaigns. Like the stuff he was doing was just incredible. We, we looked at this new business opportunity and go, hey, here's something cool. Like we could help real estate agents. Well, we signed an exclusive deal. A year into that, 2014, the owner pulls us aside and goes, guys, I got to be honest here. And Paul and I knew exactly what he was going to say because we knew that none of his realtors were really using this tool. It was a timeline tool to help the realtors with the touch of a button on a phone, click, 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 communicate what's going on. Domino's had just come out with the pizza tracker, and this was really like a pizza tracker for the home purchase or sell. So he pulls this aside and goes, guys, you know, none of my realtors are really using this. He goes, you know what, though? Forget my realtors. They're stupid. I give them the greatest tool in the world and they don't use it. You know what, though? I own a title company and the number one complaint from my realtors against my title is bad communication. Do you think we could take these 10 steps to buying or selling a home and maybe make it like four or five and put in the title? Paul and I looked at each other. We looked back at him and we go, I bet we could. But what's title? And that was our slippery slope into the land title industry. Oh, that's great. That's great. So before the pandemic, um, walk us through a little bit about the, some of the basic aspects of automated communications with title and settlement sort of as a hub or anchor for that. Um, can you kind of describe the big picture for us? When And I'll take it all the way back to when we started in title in 2014, because the vision has really remained the same. Helping title companies, title and escrow companies communicate better during the closing process. Um, when we got into this, we realized integrations were the biggest thing. That title company had one specific integration. I remember Paul and I went to our first Alta one, Scottsdale, Arizona, um, which probably gives you a date. I think that was like 2016 or 17. Walked into the big room. We thought we had the greatest product ever, you know, that everybody was just going to like clamor over it. And uh, we're in sales mode. Nobody understood what we did because we made it too complicated. The core of Close Simple was just we help you communicate better with text messages and emails. And we were trying to solve all these different problems and tell title companies what we thought they should be doing. And we went right back to the to the listen mode and go, what's the real problem? The real problem that you have is communicating with realtors and consumers and lenders. Okay, we can do that. And we focused on the integrations. I think, you know, with RamQuest, um, that was our second integration. The first was with Green Folders, a pretty small, you know, part of the closing experience, but RamQuest was our first big integration. And, you know, so it's a pleasure being here with you all today, but um, we just kept it simple. We realized what RamQuest did and if we could just sit on top of it and as the actions are being done in RamQuest, if we could just have the outbound communication, make it look good and seamless and easy on 
the closers, the escrow officers, the processors that are doing the work, we win, the title company wins, and the consumer and realtor win. So that's really what Close Simple is about. Well, and there was such a really big need there, and there always has been, um, because obviously the title and settlement world is such a hub of incoming pieces of information from all over, and then the aggregator and the dispersal of those important pieces of information. And having been in the business longer than I care to talk about, I can tell you that that took so much time, so much effort, so much brain power, uh, and so many manual systems, backup checks, um, little you know mental trips that if you do this, then you need to remember to go ahead and do this. And so I, I feel like, the, yes, the space was automatically uh, begging for a solution. And the way you guys brought that in listening and then building, uh, had every component for a a big game change. And so, you know, you set out to improve stakeholder communications in our corner of the world and and that starts going well. And then all of a sudden, bam, March, 2020 happens and we're all in a pandemic. Walk us through how you've seen communication methods and communication demands change as a result of that shift from last March? Yeah, you know, I think one of the biggest things is people are rethinking what is necessary. That's the biggest question in people's heads. It's rethinking what's necessary. Why did we do it the way we've always done it? Why do we have to do it that way? Why do I have to go into the office? Why do I fill in the blank? And, you know, I think there's been this huge shift now to I want it when I want it, you know, where I want it and how I want it. And that's been the biggest thing. Companies that are winning are the ones that are giving consumers when they want it, where they want it and how they want it. You think about it like the increase in orders from Amazon, everything. I mean, Domino's, which was kind of an inspiration for us with the pizza tracker, you know, now bringing that into title. Um, We didn't set out to really, when we started this, make a pizza tracker, you know, like that closing timeline. I literally sat down with real estate agents back in the day, talked about what we wanted to build, turned the paper around to them and said, how should it look? And they drew this timeline. And what we've realized over the last few years, and especially during the pandemic, is this. Consumers and realtors, what they want to know is, where have we been? Where are we? And where are we going next? Just show me that. I just want to know where have we been, where are we, and where are we going next? Take the ambiguity away from it. And I think the title companies that do that are the ones that win. It's not enough anymore just to say, hey, we got your file or your closing is scheduled. The consumer and the realtor are so anxious about what's going to happen next. Like they want to know more info. And I think that's been the biggest thing. Like they want control. Everybody wants a feeling of control. And COVID has made that, I would say, more important than ever. I agree that, you know, as a as an industry, um, title and settlement have had a difficult history with trying to get a consumer to care about what we do. And when we, you know, we have the dual challenges of we interact with them so comparatively and frequently in their life. And then when we do have their attention, um, we are tempted to try to explain to them everything it is we do and why it's important. And you've been able to, I think, flip that conversation and show them the important things that we are doing for them, in which case the value then becomes self-evident to them. In, in the old days, 
when I was a closer, you know, oftentimes we would send a long introductory letter telling them all the things that are going to happen. And then this and, you know, four score and seven years from now, blah, blah, blah. You know, that was a way. Um, but nobody has time for that. One thing I've learned in this, as we've onboarded so many title companies, everybody thinks that their system and their process is so unique to them. And title companies all close files pretty much the same way. What we find ourselves doing is walking them back from the ledge of committing too much knowledge to the consumer or the realtor. Nobody cares. I love trying to urge title companies with our little email or text notifications. Keep it shorter. Keep it so short. Talk in layman's terms. Talk like you're talking to a real person, not a title person, and have a button there that they can click and read more on the site if they want to learn more. And I think that's been one of the biggest things like title wants to communicate and add value and feel not not feel important, but to let people know that they're doing their job. And we're so thorough in this industry. Consumers don't care. They just want to close. Realtors just want the paycheck. Lenders just want it to go through, you know, and what's the bare minimum to let people know that you're doing your job and you're doing a great job at it. And if they want to read more, go over here. I think that's one of the biggest suggestions that I've been making to clients. And it's just been, it's been incredible to see that, but it's hard to get through in their head because just like you said, those old papers were, you know, how long were they? And that was where the value of title was. It was this long of a document. I think that's changing today. It's more about simple, getting it when I want it, where I want it, how I want it. And I don't want to read all that anymore. And I, I think that also there's an opportunity when you are delivering precise bite-sized chunks of relevant information, you're also able to briefly and concisely convey your excitement about what it is they as the consumer are doing. And I think that um, in some of the old letters that we sent on, you know, scrolls, uh, we missed out on that excitement. We've always been a little bit more formal. And so when you come into more of a tech age where, you know, there is a, an ability there to, I think, personalize it and show some enthusiasm along with the facts, we're skinning those facts down, then I think we start to actually get some more interest from a consumer and we're able to show them we're engaged with you. This isn't something we are doing to you. <laughs> it's a process. It's bringing them in. It's getting on the same side of the table as the customer. It's making them feel like you're their advocate, not that you're like selling them something or that title is so complicated that we're just going to mask it in all these details. Like, I feel like if we can simplify this process to the consumer, the consumer is going to want to work with us more and forget even the consumer, the real estate agent. We had one title company out of uh, Texas and she told us that this real estate agent comes to her and says, hey, because of these emails and text message updates that you're giving us now, we're asking 75% fewer questions to your title company than the next one that we close with. 75% fewer questions. That's 75% fewer like, hey, when's the closing again? What's the date? What's the location? Did you get this? What do I need to bring? What does that mean for the brain space of everybody working at that title company? Now, I turned it around and I was like, well, how are we going to get that realtor to give you 100% of their orders now? Why are they still talking about the other company? It's 75% of the realtor side too, right? So... Let's all get excited about this. And what I hear in that also is that, so you're finding 75% more time and efficiency, but by doing what you normally do every day and either 
validating the consumer's interest in it, or maybe creating some that would not have been there before, opening another piece of mail, trying to contemplate a move. You're actually doing an educational approach too, which is something else the industry has always struggled with. What's this premium dollar for? What did you do? Well, we work in the background and, and bake the pizza and we don't tell you anything about it till the pizza's ready. Um, so I, it's it's a dual advantage there that um, I think is really important for people to understand how it fills both sides of that equation. One other example, and I, I love this case study. This is from another client of ours. Um, I talked to them kind of mid-COVID and they're out of Louisiana. This woman tells me, she goes, Bill, we got close, simple. We've been on it for a while. And when we got close, simple, you know, pre-COVID, it saved each of our staff members from about an hour to two hours of busy work a day that they were doing in typing emails, all these things, you know, an hour to two hours a day. And then she goes, COVID hit and the refi boom goes up. And she goes, that hour or two that we saved instantly got filled with new orders. And she goes, I'm so thankful for that. You know, like all of a sudden, she didn't know how she would have been able to even fill the refi orders. So I love hearing stories like that. Again, it it helps us not only help the title company get on the same side of the table as as their customer or their realtor, but I love feeling like, and you do this at RamQuest too, it's getting on the same side of the table as our title company partners. We're like, let us help you. Where do you want to go? Like, what does that look like for you? And for her, it was all efficiencies. So some of these new types of demands that or new values that have sort of appeared during the pandemic, um, do you think your customers and the industry's needs will revert back to the old normal after the new normal finally arrives here in pandemic terms? I honestly don't see how they can because, you know, there's still the nostalgia of going into the bookstore But if I want a book fast, I'm going to go to Amazon now. And I think title companies that we have seen increase order volume like crazy, testimonials are coming through. It's because of the processes that have been instituted even during COVID, why realtors want to use them over another title company. I just don't see people going back to the ex that treated them okay when the new one treats them so well. So I think there's this shift and now all the inefficiencies in their business have just become super transparent as realtors are asking for things. Consumers demands are asking for things because COVID has changed the lens that people look at this process. They compare it to every other industry now. And they're like, if I can do that with that, why can't I do that in title? For this $400,000 home closing, you know, why can't I fill in the blank? So these title companies now, I think, have this giant itch and go, how do we fill in the blank? Mm -hmm. This spike in volume is turning into a marathon, not a sprint. So while they could absorb some of the heavier laden manual tasks for a bit and get through a brief surge, it's an extended surge and knock on wood, we want it to remain that way. I mean, we want to be able to breathe, but we, we want it to remain that way. And so as this gets into a longer duration of at capacity, past capacity, some of these things like what you're talking about become have-to-haves, right, instead of nice-to-haves. Well, and I think the younger workforce, this is a common topic in title conferences. We have to make solutions and software and ways to engage a younger workforce. If, If a younger workforce is more familiar with Facebook or what a Gmail looks like, and we're forcing them still to live kind of in other software, we need to make it easier on them because they go, I can click a button and I get to see that action in Facebook. I post a picture and I get a like. 
But if I'm forced to do this other software that I don't understand as, I think that's forcing us as software people to go, how are we now making stuff to not only like look more like it should, to also how do we make it more efficient? How do we get that gratification faster? Yeah, that's a really good point. Well, while we're talking about the younger folks, um, let's talk a little bit about the millennials when it comes to them being buyers. Most of them probably aren't sellers yet, but they actually are buying. And um, so let's talk about how their communications are the same or different from buyers and sellers in other demographics. This might go a little against the way that a lot of people look at it, but I don't think today's consumer discriminates the way that we think that uh, brackets or like different segments did in the past. I'll say it like this. If I order any pizza online now from any pizza company, if they don't have like a pizza tracker or a way to order online simply, I just can't even order online. I think that we need to look at segments of markets a little different and not go like, what do millennials expect? But it's more, what are other industries doing that are making me change now? And then we start thinking about the messaging to millennials and the way to actually grab them. But I don't think the processes necessarily are catered towards millennials, if that makes sense. So I think so many title companies are trying to go, how do we attract younger, younger, younger? And they're trying to, I would say, ramp up their marketing a different way to say it, or their salespeople look a different way, or they're doing all these things. That's like the outer layer. Like that's the candy crust, you know? What we need is a better center. We need to focus on the processes. We need to focus on how our business actually runs. I've really kind of identified three areas that I think every business, like these are the foundations, and I label them the QCCs. It's the quality, it's the customer care, and it's the customer control. We got to have all three of those things working in line. So like the quality, we got to have a great product. We got to have a great service. If we don't have a quality, you could have... You could have the greatest website to order from, but if your pizza sucks, nobody cares. You got to have the customer care. Like, what is that customer experience? But then also the customer control. Does the customer feel like they know where they're going? What I think the core of this question is, though, it's really focusing on how are we building a business that can grab the millennial, that can grab the boomer, that can grab fill in the blank. And then what's the candy coat on top that attracts them? We have so many real estate agents that get a text from our title company that that title company told us before they ever sent the text, my boomer agents will not want this. But the second the boomers get that text, they love it because they're already getting text messages from other companies. My wake up call has been focus on the processes, focus on the quality of your business, on the customer care that you're giving and that customer experience and the control that the customer feels and you will win. And then you just have a different face to the different demographics. You know, just package it a little different, but get your business in 2021 first. What does business have to look like? Then we change things. Then we add the sugar topping. I'm guessing there's probably a little bit of learning curve, but just as there is learning any new process or how have you seen folks handle that? Title companies need to have more empathy for realtors. Realtors are probably snapping more than they ever were before. They want their paycheck faster. They're, you know, like everybody is getting shorter fused. So who's going to win? It's the companies that can actually like walk through that tension and not snap. And then you add, you're doing this in a pandemic. And so that 
that extra mile of grace and empathy, also um, giving them not only the information of what's happened and what's going to happen next, but again, that excitement, that can make a difference between um, getting notified that their closing is scheduled being something to celebrate or another thing that's, the, you know, sort of the straw that broke the camel's back of emotion of, oh gosh, this is really going, depending on how they feel that they're interacting with that event. I have a great example of that. There's an author named Chris Voss. He's all over Facebook. You see his masterclass on how to negotiate. New York Times bestseller wrote a book called Never Split the Difference. This guy was brought into the biggest, you know, the the red alert type of hostage negotiations around the world. But he said, the real estate transaction is very similar to a hostage negotiation. The buyer or the seller, they're actually held hostage by the realtor, the title company, the lender. They're just hoping to get through it. And he goes, what's very interesting that he found as he's doing all these high-level hostage negotiations was this, that the person being held hostage, their stress level and the stress level of the family back home is going up at the same rate. And you know what he found? That if while he's negotiating the hostage for that person, if with the family, he told them that, hey, I'm going to call you every day at 1 p.m. with an update. No matter if I have an update or not, I'm going to call you. He found that the, the family's anxiety went down. But if he would say, you know, I'll call you when we have an update, what happens to their anxiety? It goes through the roof because you don't know when the update's coming. So he found that during the most stressful hostage negotiations, if you just update people on a consistent and scheduled process, schedule, all of a sudden the anxiety goes down and they're happy. They might not like the tension they have, but they go like, you're walking through this with me. So what does that mean for real estate? It's realtors need to update the client on what's happening, but also title companies just need to have this schedule. Like, here's what's happening. There's not really an update. I just wanted to touch base with you, realtor, and let you know we're doing our job. Things are rolling. You know, and that anxiety goes down. So many title companies just go, I just want to update realtors on what the process is. Where where are we? What's the status? Yes. And there's such an opportunity between I'll update you when there's something else to know. We look at it from the consumer's perspective, who's really strapped into a process that they don't understand. And their fear is they're going to inadvertently miss something that's going to throw everything into jeopardy, right? And so that that care is going to go especially farther with them of, you're fine. You're fine. And there's different ways to say you're fine. But it they're not going to think long and hard about... Uh, which requirement just got cleared or what else is going on, they're going to think they're going to take two seconds and say, okay, I don't have to do anything. Everything's on track. And that's all they need to know because they don't really understand all of the things that go on behind the scenes, nor should they. They just need to have either a calm about what their next step needs to be or a calm that these steps are happening. And also let me know when you need me to do something because I'm afraid to miss it because I have a lot going on. And by the way, I'm packing up my house. And COVID means that I can't just swing into the office and talk to you face-to-face. So we have to get better at how do we communicate this because it's not face-to-face anymore the same way. I can't just swing into the title company and ask them. That title company can't just swing into the real estate brokerage anymore. It's a different world. For better or worse. For better or worse. But I'll say this, the, the companies that are proactive and think about how do we increase customer control? How do we increase having our people feel like they can have a say in this, those are the ones that are going to win. That's it. Empowerment is great. It makes everybody feel better, right? Well, 
Bill, I can't let you get away without tapping into your expertise in a few other areas of business. Let's talk about how, you know, generally we want to think about moving employees from a mindset of, you know, do, 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 which is certainly natural right now in these busy times. But how do we start to think about moving them to more of a managerial or even more of an entrepreneurial mindset? Is that something people can do right now? I love talking about this because it's really empowering our staff. Um, I love to say, like, if you put a ceiling on somebody in your head, that's the ceiling they're probably going to reach within your company. When we hire people here at Close Simple, I want to think like the sky's the limit for them. They're adding so much value. I'll go back to this. There's really three levels where we operate out of. There's like the technician, the manager, and the entrepreneur. The technician is do, 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 do mode. You get hired to do a job. You know, an easy way to think about that is like McDonald's. You hire the 16-year-old. You don't want them thinking about how to make the next greatest burger. You just want them making a burger. The manager mode, though, thinks about like, okay, how do we do this more efficiently? How do we manage the technician mode? The entrepreneur mode, though, goes like, here's where we want to go. Here's the gap. How do we get there? And then make the systems. What I've found is, especially with our team or people that I work with, it's if I can just get people to think outside of that technician mode just a little about manager or entrepreneur, everything changes in how they do their job. There's a new fire that starts on your own. Before I got in a title, I owned an e-commerce business and I was hitting a wall. I hated life. Everything was horrible. Um, I was in crazy debt coming out 08, 09 recession. And um, I hit this wall and I just couldn't get out of it until one day I'm sitting at Starbucks and I'm sitting there, the internet wasn't working, but I sat there and I closed my laptop. I had a white piece of paper in front of me and I had what I call the Starbucks moment where I couldn't do work. All I could do was dream. And I looked at this white piece of paper in front of me and go, what could my business be? Instantly, I moved from the technician bottom phase of do, do, do beyond the manager phase of let's make systems to dreaming about what could it be? And all of a sudden, this was the freakiest, one of the freakiest moments in my business. I had a white piece of paper in front of me. The options are endless. And you just start writing down ideas like, well, what could it be? Oh, here's an idea. Here's an idea. Here's an idea. And all of a sudden, this spark just comes inside. And I love challenging companies. Like if you are viewing your teams as just technician mode, you're not getting the most out of them. How can you get them to experience what I call like that Starbucks moment, to dream for maybe the first time in their role. How could we do this better? What does it look like? And pulling them into that. And what you're going to find is your team is going to love that. Your team is going to get this new fire. It doesn't mean that you have to do everything they say, but what it means is you could have a whiteboard session and go, hey, how do we become the number one title company in this county? What does that look like? Here's what the competition does. Let's write what they do on the board. What does that mean we need to do differently? How do we change the game? How do we do something different? And have that Starbucks moment, no checking emails, nothing. It's just, what could we do? And I think that right there is something that empowers teams better than anything. Well, and it puts the light back in their eyes. It does get them thinking differently. It gets you thinking differently. And to your point, even if you only do one or two steps towards one of these crazy things, you're tooling yourself up, your company up for a different trajectory than you will have always looking just down and out, down and out, taking care of what's on the plate today and looking out to make sure that the same kind of stuff is is in the pipeline. Uh, it gives you that opportunity to look up. 
Well, another question I had when I was thinking about our chat today is, um, you know, we have to face it. Sometimes technology back in the workplace now can be distracting. And so, especially in times like these, I don't, I don't know one title or settlement agent that can afford any time being lost to distractions. So let's dive in on this a little bit. Is there a way to interact with our technology in such a way that we can use it more efficiently? I love that you brought this up. This has really hit home to me. Um, Back in 2005 in the UK at King's University, um, they actually did this giant study to find out like productivity, what makes people productive. And they had this, this idea um, basically where they did this IQ test and there were three groups of people in this IQ test. The first group of people was people who were just no distractions, nothing. They just got to do the IQ test in their time, you know, however long it took. Second group of people, the whole IQ test, what was going to happen to them was they were going to be distracted by a phone call or something. There was going to be a buzzing thing in the background. Third group of people during this IQ test, of all things, they were going to be stoned. They were going to give them weed and they were going to get them high. Okay. So you got these three groups of people at King's College in London, 2005, doing an IQ test. Now they were really like, you know, rolling up their sleeves going, ooh, what's going to happen here? How is this IQ test going to turn out? Is the group that has all the interruptions, how are they going to do? No interruptions or, you know, the group that's stoned. Not surprisingly, they found that the group without any interruptions scored best, right? Like that makes sense. No interruptions. But they were shocked to find that the the people who were interrupted the entire time, they actually did worse than the people who were stoned by an average of six points. So you look at this and it's like, what does that mean for us in our daily jobs? You know, we got our cell phones right on our table. Like every single time this thing flashes, whenever there's a notification, our mind gets just pulled right over there. You know, um, Gary Keller in his book, The One Thing, really talks about how we really can't do anything more than one thing. You can only do one thing. Multitasking is a huge myth. I love this study, though, because like you might as well be stoned on the job instead of having notifications popping up on your screen and right there all day. As an employer, you certainly have the battle of looking at, you know, you do have customers typically that are texting or calling your employees' cell phones because that line is so blurred. Um, But compare and contrast that to, you know, some places I've heard of have a, your cell phone goes in your desk drawer until you're on break at lunch or gone for the day. Um, policy. And so figuring out how to balance that and figuring out how to, to your point, turn off superfluous notifications. Can people help sift that out until it's appropriate time to look at all the other things? Is it is it after you're done with the one thing, do you think? Well, let's pull this all the way back around. Like, let's take it back to what do consumers want? They want to know where they've been, where they are, where they want to go. If you can answer those questions, what does that mean? They're not going to be pinging you all day. They're not going to be texting you all day. If we're proactive, all of a sudden, we can mitigate half of the questions. Or like that one title company said, the realtor says 75% fewer questions. You know, so that's coming in all these interruptions all day. I also realize this, title companies, like you're paying people to close on files, to do the busy work. There was a book written a few years ago called The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, and he gave this email template away. He put an autoresponder on his email. Due to high workload, I'm currently checking and responding email twice daily, 12 p.m. and 4 p.m. Eastern. If you require urgent assistance, 
Please ensure that it's urgent, that it cannot wait until two or four. Please contact me at, here's my phone number. Because what he wanted his people that are emailing him realizing is he's got to do his job still. You know, and if you're bugging me all day, I can't do the job. I can't close the file for you. I can't fill in the blank. And I love that because it's putting some guardrails on your time. You know, if we want to talk about one way to move from technician, manager, and entrepreneur, really getting your head above the water a little, I think we have to really get better at time blocking for things that are important. To go, my job is this. During this time, I'm just not going to be interrupted or else I can't get it done. When we get creative there and get out of the do, do, do mode up to here's where I want to go. How do I get there? It's easier to make a system so you can become more efficient when you do. Yeah, I think that's amazing because... Again, tying most of this back up together, it's one thing to um, say I'm not available, which isn't at all what this says. Again, I, I come at a lot of things from a closing officer perspective. If I'm jumping between six files and trying to answer emails and trying to answer the phone, how efficient and effective am I going to be on each one of those files? Sounds like I might as well go ahead and get stoned. Um, however, between combining together the things that we've talked about with automate where you can automate automation in our business is never going to solve everything, at least not in my professional uh, career, but automate what you can that helps them, that helps you turn down the noise a little bit. And then you're able to focus on what you need to be the signal, either incoming or the signal that you're putting out. Um, and I think especially during a pandemic, and when a pandemic and a spike in real estate transactions collide, I don't know that we have a whole lot of choice but to do everything we can to zero us right in on exactly what's important at that moment. You hit it on the head. I mean, it comes full circle. The more proactive a title company can be, the less they're going to get hit on by, we'll just say, stupid questions. Like, let's just call it out. Realtors are anxious. They want to get this thing done. How can we help them? And you hit on the head, automation doesn't solve every problem, but it sure can solve a few of them. You're right. I've never seen a realtor teach a time management course to be self-employed. Obviously, they're, they have to have a pretty high degree of um, self-structure, but it's you've keyed in on it exactly. It's the anxiety. A lot of times when that realtor is pinging you, pinging you, pinging you, pinging you, it's anxiety. It's not boredom. <laughs> and it's not anything other than that anxiety that's driving them. So everything you've talked about here today sounds like a win-win, win for the customers and marketplace, win for the title settlement agent. And it sounds like a lot of these things that we have discussed became more prominent during the time of COVID, but are certainly in by no means exclusive to this time period of the pandemic. Fair? I think that's 100% fair. You know, COVID, it put the lens on inefficiencies, things that maybe we didn't even know we were inefficient in. It goes, boom, look at this. Because companies that are significantly larger than we could ever even imagine to be, they are setting the bar and it's making us look inefficient. So we could be doing a great job, but other companies and industries are ruining it for us. But what does that mean? We just got to get a little more intentional. We just have to step it up a little more. And I guarantee the title companies that do that are the ones that are going to not only make it through this thing, but are the ones that are going to be setting the bar for what it looks like in title in 2022, 2025. You know, um, I, I, I just get excited about the opportunity ahead. 
I get excited about the opportunity ahead as title becomes more in the forefront of consumer and realtors' minds for what we do. Well, Bill, this has been a great conversation. Do you have any words of pandemic wisdom or encouragement for our listeners? You know, I'm just going to wrap it up with this thing. You know, this this little note card has been one of the best things that has helped me. That post-it note? What's on that post-it yep, note? This little post-it note. That's it. You know, if if I have to do two, more to-dos than I can fit in a day on here, I'm do, trying to do too much. You know, I'll actually, now that's the end of the week here, but I'll actually, you know, here's, here's my Friday. I could actually start what I'm going to do on Monday there. Get it out of your head and onto there. Or create a calendar reminder for what you got to do, but clean that inbox. Like there's so much mental stress of ambiguity. Once you put it here and prioritize it or cross it off because it's not even important, all of a sudden you work on it, you cross it off and you feel like you're winning. I'm all about what are the fast wins that you can get in a day? What's the fast win to make you feel like, wow, I'm, I'm accomplishing something. You know, I'm pushing the company forward. So this little thing has helped me a lot. Little post-it notes. Look, a couple of technologists touting the benefits of post-it notes. There we go. There we go. I hope you found today's conversation with Bill as energizing as I did. His enthusiasm is infectious, isn't it? It just might be the perfect uplifting shot in the arm during this pandemic malaise. If you'd like to connect directly with Bill, his email address is bill at close simple. That's C-L-O-S-E-S-I-M-P-L-E dot com. We'll be back next time with another great guest, someone who is on the front lines of helping us all retool for this new reality and beyond. Until then, this is Mary Schuster. And remember, what you do really matters. Don't forget, you can download each episode of RamQuest Pandemic Practices podcast on all the podcast platforms or RamQuest website. But the best way to ensure each episode is delivered directly to you is to simply click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast platform. 